The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everyone. Today's guest is Mike Herrera, bassist and lead vocalist for the Bremerton, Washington punk rock band MXPX. Mike is a dear friend and also a repeat offender on Krista Makes a Podcast, this being the second time he's been here in the hot seat. The band has a brand new album slated for release next week called Find Your Way Home. And together, we break down the writing, recording, and inspiration behind the album's lead-off single, Stay Up All Night. Mike said he wrote the song mid-pandemic, when the whole world felt like it had been turned upside down. He mentioned that he built the lyrics off the very first line of the song, and the rest of it kind of wrote itself. I told Mike that even though the lyric is dark, overall, the track is hopeful, something I've always loved about punk rock. Recorded at Mike's very own Monkey Trench Studios and co-produced with Ryan Furlot, the sonics of this track are awesome. So sit back, relax, and if you have to, stay up all night with us. This is a good one. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Well, hey there, Mike. Where are you at today? Hey, I'm uh, back in Bremerton, Washington. Bremerton, Washington. Monkey Trench Studios. That's the name of your studio. How'd that come about? There's a monkey tree in the, in the yard. It's giant, <laughs> and it just towers over everything. Uh, so it, it's a monkey puzzle tree is actually what it's called, but, but it's just this weird prehistoric-looking dinosaur tree. And if you touch the leaves, it's actually like it'll stab you. So be careful. Okay. <laughs> so, so that was the okay, inspiration. I, I thought maybe you actually had monkeys living in a tree outside your home, and I didn't think that they were indigenous to Bremerton, Washington. No, no. But <laughs> and the trench, the trench part is just because we're in the trenches, you know, just digging, digging ourselves, you know, into the trenches. You're in the trenches. Well, the new record's going to be out in about a week. Find a way home. Recorded and was it mixed at Monkey Trench as well? It was mixed. I mean, Ryan Furlot mixed it probably in, in somewhere at his house in Portland or something. He has a studio there. So, uh, in fact, I actually re- recorded a few parts there too. We did some overdubs down there. But yeah, basically, we recorded the whole thing up here and uh, he mixed down in Portland. How did you hook up with Ryan? Ryan Furlop, man, we had him mix a couple things for us. He recorded and, and mixed Say Yes. He recorded Can't Keep Waiting for Us, which was the song we released kind of over the pandemic. Headlines we never would have guessed. Looking for a way out of this mess. Cause I can't keep waiting. Can't keep waiting for what's next. We just really liked working with him. So we're like, okay. You know, uh, we asked Casey if he was interested and he, he was interested, but he's like a pretty much retired Casey Bates that did our last album mm-hmm. and, uh, he pretty much retired. And so we, we found Ryan and he co-produced. Yeah. He, you know, Tom Chichilla, Ryan for a lot and MXPX as a whole pretty much got together and, and produced the record. Right. And Tom Tachilla is, of course, from Over Easy. That's uh, your management company. And what you guys have done, I've talked to you about this. I mean, it's kind of been a blueprint, you know, less than Jake's taking a page out of it. You guys have just been crushing it. I feel like your profile in the last five years, even with the pandemic and everything, I feel like you guys are just, you're raging probably as hard as you ever were even back in the major label days when you guys had some money behind you. I feel like there's there's really something happening with the band. Do you feel that momentum as well being, as you would say, in the trenches? Because sitting out here, it's it's incredible, Mike. 
That's a great question because sometimes it does feel a little isolating being in the trenches, just kind of doing what you do day after day. And to finally have this record coming out, that's our chance to sort of like stick our heads out, look around. Of course, I see what you guys are doing too. It's been amazing. And and I love seeing my friends out there and and it's like, okay, we got to get out there too. You know, like we're making this record. And, and so, yeah, we're, we're, we're starting to feel that groundswell, um, you know, with the new, the new song release. Uh, it's been finally sort of a, a way to get some feedback on all the hard work we've been doing. But you're right, man. It, it can, it, it's hard to sort of feel that sometimes when you're just doing it. Right. And you're essentially back to doing everything yourself. Yeah, you have a team behind you, but it's not that, uh, you know, major label, 13 people in the marketing room. It's a, it's, it's a different thing doing it on your own. And, and sometimes you're wondering if those results are, are, are actually paying off. And again, from the outside looking in, it, it, it seems like everything's going absolutely amazing for you. Uh, Find A Way Home is your 14th album. As a songwriter, and, and I feel this way, and I want to ask you, you know, less than Jake probably wouldn't have to write another song or record another record. You know, we could just go out and rest on our back catalog and just play it out till it kind of ends. Yeah, you're always going to have the diehard fans that want to hear new stuff. You could throw anything at them. They're probably going to like it because they're, th they're that much into your band. But, you know, I think I know the answer here. Why do you still write songs? What What is it for you to keep pushing forward? Because you, I feel the same way about MXPX. You guys got, got such great songs. You can go out and play the back catalog. Everyone would be happy. Why, why push forward? Why continue? Well, one, I think there's going to be a time when we'll do that, you know, but, um, at this point, like I just still feel inspired to write and I still, I still want to say things. And, you know, back in 2008, we released our self-titled album and we released Let's Ride with that. And that's still our number one song on streaming, which blew us away. We weren't expecting, we we're expecting to just put out a new record or whatever, but like we weren't expecting the groundswell of fans to come back from all over the world, from each era we've, we've been a part of. And it's become a song we have to play live. It's become you know, something that people sing along to and the crowd's getting so loud and you're like, how is this song you know, one of our responsibilities, Chick Magnet, you know, uh, yeah. doing time, of course, punk rock show, right? So like having that experience has kind of been, one, it was an accident. We didn't plan to like, let's make this song big. <laughs> sure. But now it, it gives you kind of like that confidence and that idea, well, maybe we can do that again. So that's what we're trying to do with Stay Up All Night is just hit people in the right place, you know, hit people, you know, just right. And I think that's what happened with Let's Ride. It hit them just right. And, and I feel like that could happen. You know, we're trying to make that happen. And early reports are that, you know, the fans really love the song. And so I'm pretty confident that, you know, if we get lucky again, you know, that people are going to, you know, we're going to add that to one of the list of staples. That's all we want to do is just be part of be part of your favorite song playlist, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, and for the listeners uh, out there, hey, we had Mike on before talking just about that that exact song, Let's Ride. We, we broke that down the last time. And typically here, I'll go after something that's 20 years old that has all those memories attached to it. But to your point, Let's Ride just slayed me when I heard it. I was like, man, this is this is already a classic song. And as you said, it's look at look at the streaming numbers. It's your, it's your most popular song out there. And who would have thought? It almost doesn't make sense like you, you can't believe it with some of the songs that you that you had back in the day that are such fan favorites and have had so many years to simmer with the fans yeah dude we're just blown away so you know just getting here you know 2023 like you were saying we were talking about earlier it's kind of hard to see that when you're just in the trenches but everybody always tells me like this is definitely bigger you know we're playing bigger shows we're, we're doing bigger things and and in fact not just us i think punk rock in general has just gotten bigger like yeah Less than Jake, you know, um, you see no effects doing their, their last couple of years of touring. It's huge. It's, it's, there's so much interest out there for, I think the era that we all came from, but not just to rehash the old era, but to, to live now in 2023 and to have that music mean something to us now. Absolutely. I've always said that, uh, you know, people's memories of your band, you're only as good as what their memory was the last time they saw you, you know, and we're out on this anniversary tour. We've been out the past couple of weeks and I'll ask the crowd, you know, is there anybody that hasn't seen us since the original Hello Rockview tour? There'll be hands that have gone up. And I just know we're a better band now than we were then. We were kids, you know, you, we've, we've, we've honed our craft, but stay up all night. 
track six out of 13 back in the day that would have mattered we make records right yeah. and it's like you'd be like wait six that the song's kind of buried you did you not think it was a single but uh where, where'd that come into play did it matter here well here you know sequence for us matters when you listen to the whole record and of course people are going to hear this song just first right so yeah so maybe it should have been first but for us listening to a record the way we did it track six is exactly when you want to hear this song Great. It's almost like when you're watching a movie, you don't want to see the murder scene. Oh, well, sometimes you see it right away, right? <laughs> but uh, you don't want to see the climax at the beginning. You know, you see, you might see a hint of that climax or a foreshadowing, right? But um, so for us, it was just about, you know, storytelling of the album. And, and and when it comes to singles, yeah, that doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter what, what where the song is. Um, but when people are listening to an MXPX record, we made, I feel like we made a, a, an appropriate MXPX record. Um, something where you don't put a move to Bremerton on track one. You don't put Chick Magnet right. track one. But it is, you know, yeah. some of our most popular songs. So it was that thinking when it comes to that. And Tom and Yuri, uh, Yuri on drums, Tom on guitar, played in the record. Did Chris Adkins play on the record? He's been with you for some time. Yeah, Chris played on the record. He he played on our 2018 self-titled album, and we brought him back for this record. He he's gotten the furthest, let's say. Like if you're Indiana Jones and and you're uh, you're trying to get to the Holy Grail, he's reached the closest because you know we've had guitar players over the years, you know, fill in live. Yeah. But we've never really had anybody in the studio, so I guess you, you're kind of like wondering that and. And it is true. He's he's actually added a lot a lot of cool ideas to to the sound, and it just it makes Tom, our guitar player, perk up a little bit. You know, it keeps him mm -hmm. on his toes. So yeah, yeah, I love the dynamic between the two guys. It's great. That's awesome. I was going to ask. It is. I mean, I'm sure he provides another texture. You know, sometimes when guitar players, you know, they'll have that little rub, and that's what makes it special. You know, that's what that's what gives it that quality. Uh, all the great two guitar bands. I've talked about it. You know, you look at the Stones or, uh, you know, Slash and and Izzy Stradlin. Those types of of dual guitar players. You 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 get that uh, that yin and yang. And I've never really worked with another guitar player in the studio because we've never taken out another one. So I've never had that luxury. But yeah, I could see how that would kind of perk. Tom up to want to be on his A game. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's been great. Absolutely. Well, I want to bust into the song, Mike. It's two minutes and 59 seconds. And I got to tell you, this opening guitar riff, this arpeggiated riff, I can't quite put my finger on where else I've heard it. I haven't heard the actual tonality and rarely do I get into that on this show, amp configurations and sounds, because I don't want to lose listeners. But it, it's a very unique sound. I, it's like I've heard it before, but I haven't, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. It's very unique. I know what you mean by that. I, I felt the same way, honestly. Like, I wrote it about a year into the pandemic, you know, and, you know, I was just starting to see some of the effects of people around me, people I knew with their relationships, with leaving jobs, things like that, you know. It was really weird. So, I mean, I know we're not talking about the actual lyrics right now, but I think that affected sort of the, the guitar part that I wrote. You know, when I sat down, I started writing. I wrote how I was seeing the world. It wasn't necessarily how I was feeling, but you know how like kids and maybe even dogs, when they're around somebody that's relaxed, they're relaxed. And when they're around somebody that's like... High strung. Absolutely going crazy. Yeah, you're, you're nervous. So I feel like I was just kind of like taking it in and trying to, trying to gauge what was going on in the world and how much of that was actually real, right? Because mm -hmm. to me, it was like, it's hard to really know with social media, you know. It, Absolutely. It, it, maybe, you know, all these people leaving their jobs, things like that, all these people either getting fired or, or quitting or even leaving the industry, that... I don't know if that had an effect on me, but I definitely saw that and and I kind of put that into into some of the music, you know? Well, I I had written here that I think that the it's a main hook of the song, that that riff at the top. It's haunting, but I was speaking more of, of the tone of it. The tone. And I mean a lot of time a lot of times tone has to do with what the part is and how soft or how hard you played it. But whatever amp configuration, whatever you ran that through, I've never yeah, it, it, it sounds like something maybe that MXPX did before. Maybe something that Blink could do or some, you know, a, a number of bands, but I've never heard that exact tonal quality. It's very different. Thank you. 
Yeah, you know what's funny about that? I don't know the exact name of the pedal. I think it's like a Centaur or something. And there were the rig that we used for some of those cleaner parts was I think we added up the amount of money it would cost to buy that rig and it was like fifty thousand dollars <laughs> or something. Yeah. The pedal was like, you know, three thousand or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a very familiar yet different sound, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, I've heard this but I've heard this before, but I haven't. And, and I love that. Uh it's an eight bar intro. We start off with a crash cymbal hit, stereo distorted guitars, and a single bass note ring out over a slightly broken up, clean arpeggiated guitar part, the part I was just referencing. On bar three and four, we get stereo guitars, bass, and toms doing this dun dun. It's like the it's almost like a a, a subtle I say subtle it's almost like a metal part but not like fully in your face it's just it's really heavy that part and uh there's a hi-hat and a side stick snare that runs throughout the intro the second half of the intro is just repeated again on bars seven and eight we get that dun dun before we get into verse one as the lights go down around us dancing it's black night still Looking for answers Never believed they were out of sight Feels like I can't get away from All of my mistakes From here right now to eternity As the lights go down around us Dancing in the pitch black night Still looking for answers Never believed they were out of sight Feels like I can't get away from all of my mistakes from here right now to eternity. Did I get everything? Because uh, my, my trusty partner, Chris Fafalius, uh, he translated all these lyrics. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, verse one. So, you know, for me, it's just, you know, you could be anywhere. Anybody, this could be anybody, not just me, obviously, but I just picture myself looking out. And it's kind of a lot like the album cover ended up being. The album cover was kind of inspired by this song, in, in fact. For me, that that beginning, you know, it can be romantic or whatever, but it's not really meant to be romantic. It's meant to be you're by yourself and you're thinking about your life. You're thinking about life, period. I don't want to say in general. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's all about. It, 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 for me, it's just straight out of my skull. It's straight out of like the things I think about generally, you know, and lyrically, sometimes I can definitely get clever and... and be vague or whatever but a lot of times i just say exactly what i'm feeling and what i'm like i'm setting the scene in a way and so like i sit out at night a lot by myself and i'll do work or whatever but i like to sit outside if it's a nice day or a nice night i love to do my work outside or if even if i'm just watching tv literally like on my phone i like to do that outside and so like this is that setting is just everything i do i'm just sitting outside thinking about life and was this set of lyrics written specifically for this song, or was this something you had uh, in, in a notebook, a lyric book or something? Or do you like to sit down with a guitar and create right then? Um, both happens, but this was, this was I came up with the riff, and I was messing with that for a while. I'm like, I can, okay, this could be a song. This could be a song. And I almost always write the first line of a song first. Unless it is like sort of an idea from the past that just makes it into a song. With this one, I wrote that this was the first line I wrote. When the lights go down around it. So um, I, at that point, I don't know what the song's about, right? I've just written a line. And then there, I just keep going with what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. And then usually after the first verse... I might even not. I might not write the, set, the the chorus yet, or the pre-chorus, or whatever it is you might do. I might go straight to the second verse, and I know we're not there yet, so I won't go into it. But <laughs> but a lot of times for me, when I when I don't know a song very well because it's brand new, I just stick on one part. Even if I've got other parts, I just stick on that one part. There's a lot of really interesting things that happen in this song that usually take me three, four, five listens as I'm dissecting and really getting them under the microscope here for the podcast. That didn't really happen to me with this song. It was really weird. It was like three minutes straight of like, oh my gosh, that's really cool. Wow, that's really cool. I kind of already had it in my head when I went back the second time to listen to it. And I'll explain as we go through here. It's an odd arrangement that you have here, but it's killer. It's awesome. 
The verse here mimics the intro with that guitar part, uh, except the arpeggio guitars here are now in stereo. I love that. I love that they went stereo from, from the top when it was just kind of like the, the intro riff. Snare drum is in, as are sporadic kick drums. I love the subtlety of those tom fills happening on the back half that Yuri's doing. It's very, oh gosh, it's like... Uh, almost Motown or almost like it's got that old, old rock feeling, but it's so tasteful what he did there. Yeah. You know, it's funny about that part is we sat there and just let him play that part for you so long. We're like, I guess that's the part. Like, because once you hear something so, so many times, it's kind of weird if you change it. And so that was definitely one of those parts where like he had that pretty early on. Like, I think he really thought about, I should ask him, but I think he really thought that out. He's like, what am I going to do on this bit? Because uh, it is different from what he would normally do, for sure. I'm going to tell you something. The part when it went by first, I didn't think it worked. I thought I was too busy. But when it came around the second time, I was like, oh, I could, can't imagine it without it. it. It is odd, almost, the placement of it. But I've done that before, where I've been in the rehearsal room or pre-production before you're going to record, and I'll have some noodly thing. And like... None of the guys are saying anything about it, which is usually bad. Okay. And then I go to put on the record and Roger will be look over like, dude, what are you doing? It's like the same thing I've been playing for six weeks at rehearsal. So in this case, he had been playing. It sounds like you guys were letting him do what he was doing. But then when you heard it back, you liked it. Oh yeah. We, yeah, we loved it. Yeah. We, we, we would have told him for sure, but it is one of those things where, yeah, if you don't speak up there, funny thing is, is. There are times when we definitely speak up. We're like, Yuri, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's when, it, it's, it's when everyone's silent that I'm worried. It's like when, when I don't hear my kids playing in the other room. I'm like, what, what are they doing? You know? Mm, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, I think there's a shaker running here throughout verse one, too. It's not very loud, but I hear it really at the end of this verse. Yuri loves his shakers. He loves those little subtleties. Yeah. And does he do all the percussion or do you bring in somebody? He does all the percussion now. I mean, past records we've had people, but he, he pretty much has an idea of what he wants to do. And then we try to cut out as much of it as possible. So <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Yuri. I think I said that last time to him. Uh, verse one, the other thing here, it's, it's also minimalistic in what the bass is doing. You're mm -hmm. just kind of doing single notes. And that was something else that struck me. You know, you're a very active, fast punk rock band. And to have that kind of constraint, I appreciated it there because I think it fits the verse perfectly. Yeah, Tom. Tom's favorite part, our guitar player, is when I actually go up to the high note on the second verse. Mm -hmm. Just because yes. something actually happens on the bass, I'm sure. But, um, you know, you know it, for me, I go back and forth. I go back and forth like you should, right? Like, if I'm yeah, singing... Yeah. I can just hold that open and sing and, and I feel fine about it because to me, people are listening to my voice and I don't know if that's actually true, but in my head, people are listening to my voice. And so that's where I just, I'm just playing a part at that point. I think it is. I think that we get caught up sometimes though in our ability on our instrument. Mm. It's like, well, I can do more than ring out one note here, but I, I appreciate what you did there in that part. I, I, I don't want to hear a bunch of bass notes. I'm listening to your vocal there. I think it was the right move. Yeah, to that as well, step further is the guitar part is kind of busy, even though it's not very loud, but if you start adding a bunch of notes in there as well, yeah, I just felt like it's just going to take, take the focus off of the vocal. And I just really want people to hear these lyrics. Awesome. Well, the next part, I'm calling this a huge hook. And and gosh, you know, I'm inspired to write something like this. This is almost like a pre-chorus. And this part's great. It's a three-bar turnaround with bass, drums, and big stereo guitars that provide this awesome setup for chorus one. <laughs> And, and I wrote here, this to me is the second major hook of the song. This part is kind of jarring, but it sets up the chorus so perfect. Was there ever, hey, we should put some lyrics or, or, or vocals over this? Or was it always constructed that way? No, actually, like I, I, I don't remember when I added that part, but I remember I added that part because I was like, I was trying to figure out, I think I added it before the band ever heard the song for that matter, but just on an acoustic, I was trying to figure out how to get from the verse to the the next, you know, pre-chorus. I call it the pre-chorus just because there's kind of two choruses, but chorus one, whatever you want to call it. But um, yeah, but so like this little like connector piece is your, what you're talking about, right? So yeah, 
to me, it was just like, that's so MXPX. Because we kind of do that kind of stuff here and there. It's just never been necessarily on a on a first single. You know, um, We've done it, not the exact same part necessarily, but we've done things like that with um, Here With Me off of our Ever Passing Moment album. Like, dun, okay. dun, dun. Like these sweeping, like almost like walk-ups because I'm a bass player. So I'm like writing walk-ups yeah. that the whole band does. I want you and that was the idea behind this like descending thing it's like a a walk down there it again chick magnet like if you play that in the right way it would probably sound like chick magnet and now you, you know you said you sometimes write in sequential order with a lyric but you know you have this arpeggiated riff which is the main you know riff throughout the song this part that we're referencing right now this connector piece when was that written in the scheme of things was that something you had separate a riff over here that you connected with the song or was it written at the same time as the rest of it same time as the rest of it but what i generally do is is i'll write the real basic parts and then I will write the transitions after that because I, I change parts so often that, you know, I might write a transition, but like I, I might not use it. So I usually generally just think only about the very basic verse, pre-chorus, chorus, maybe it's just a verse and a chorus, whatever it is. Maybe, maybe there's a guitar riff or an intro thing that happens again. I do that a lot, but generally that intro part is a connector piece to coming out of the chorus into that re-intro and then into the second verse, like something like that. So this is just a new part that I needed to get back into the re-intro, the do-do-do-do, you know, that's the re-intro. Mm -hmm. So I wrote that pretty much still, still in my acoustic songwriting phase, but just at the end, like, okay, let's really figure out how this song goes, play it all the way through without stopping. And that's when I'm writing those bits. Yeah, it's a really interesting part. And right after that, really quickly, we get into chorus one. And if I hurt you, know that I'll try to make you right. I won't desert you, I'll stay up with you all night. I'll stay up all night. I'll stay up all I'm going to read everything here. I think the back half, I'm going to call it a post-chorus, but we'll get there. I'll read everything. And by the way, this is uh, also what I've I've put as the third hook in the song. I mean, this, this chorus, this just is so catchy. And if I hurt you, you know that I'll try to make it right. I won't desert you. I'll stay up with you all night. I'll stay up all night. I'll stay up all night. And I believe you say, let's stay up all night in the last one, right? Yeah. To me, I'm just reflecting on how badly the world's still hurting and I don't see that changing anytime soon. And I feel like a lot of people, like I said earlier, have had huge life changes. Relationships ended, uh, new relationships start. Maybe some of those relationships end very quickly as well. Uh, jobs, new careers, people leaving even in our industry, you know, techs and band people that have, aren't doing it anymore. They're doing something else. Real estate, right? Love you, Chris. Uh, uh, you know, so like the people that are making the, like, it's not, okay, let me just try this for a minute. It's like, I'm never doing this again. So I'm like, when I sign on to social media, I felt like I saw a lot of that. And so to me, the answer for me, not necessarily everybody is just to keep trying, keep going. You know, when we post pandemic, everybody's had sort of, like I said, new careers, new ideas, new opinions about things, things you never thought you'd say, you say. Um, and I just feel like Find A Way Home, the album was just another way to say that we had to come together or everything's gonna fall apart. And I feel like this line in the song is the crux to all of these feelings that I had writing this record is, I know it fucked up, uh, you know, multiple times, constantly, daily, in fact, you know what I mean? And <laughs> I'm just trying to get it right. And, and of course, this is about me, but it's about everybody. It's about, it's about the way the world had changed all of a sudden, you know, and, and, um, and I think, it, I think we're going to be good, you know, but we just have to keep communicating with, with each other. I feel like that is so, so much a big part of why things don't work out is 
bad communication, whether it's with you know you and your coworkers, you and your family people, you and your loved ones, and and so for me it's just a choice. This is a choice to continually try hard, even when it gets really hard, because life is not easy. There's no easy button. When when you're left to do things on your own, you realize how truly hard things really are. You know, you're like, wow, okay, yeah. all right. And I hope, you know, I wonder if a lot of people that did leave, you know, a few years ago, if they're kind of thinking differently, maybe they want to come back, you know, if people left music, they want to come back to music, you left whatever industry people might have left as they're listening. There's a lot of adrenaline that happens when these big world events happen, right? And I, for one, definitely can feel like everything's a real big deal right now. And this is not going <laughs> to yeah. change. This feeling is not going to change. I need to do this or else the world is going to fall apart. You know, so like for me, it's like, okay, maybe I need to figure out what's really important to me and try to filter my lens through that. And so that's what that song is about is just deciding things are falling apart, but I'm not going to let them fall completely apart. Hey, everybody, don't go anywhere. We got lots more with Mike Carrera coming up right after a few words from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, back to the show. There's an underlying feeling of hope when I listen to this. I'm not downtrodden. I'm not sitting here going, oh, woe is me, and I feel the weight of the world. Like, I feel uplifted, and, and that's a lot of punk rock. I think that's what gravitated towards me. You know, it's like you could have this sometimes very bleak lyric, but you, you still want to, you know, put your fist in the air and, uh, you know, march on and get through it. Yeah, I think that's that's what MX Peaks really is about is understanding that there's feelings here. There's like real feelings, whether you know they're not always happy, right? But what is our alternative? You know, it's <laughs> it's not suicide. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're not gonna yeah. fall over and and just give up. You know, we just got to keep going. And and all the best stories in life, all the best, you know, all our favorite movies, you know, all our favorite heroes and the characters that we see, you know, they're all they're not giving up, right? And it's never easy, whatever it is. So it's just, it's the same story over and over, but just with new circumstances. How do you usually present your songs to the band? Is it like sit down with an acoustic guitar? Are you, are you jamming them the riff or you, or you send them a demo? Maybe you, maybe you built something with a drum machine or how do you send it to around to the band initially? And what was their response to this initial idea? Usually these days I send just a, an acoustic demo. Like when I'm ready, when I'm good and ready, to, to like, okay, I think I think this is ready for us to pull this apart and completely change it. <laughs> yeah, because that, that's usually what happens. Of course, right? Like, okay, yeah, I've, yeah. I've slaved over this. What if we double this part? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'll send them the song. And, and generally, like, if, if we're on an album, like, okay, we're working on new stuff. Here's the next new song. Yeah, I'll send them the song and they'll learn it before we show up you know, for the next practice. They'll learn the basics. It, uh, now and again, Thomas Nesky will show up. What? Uh, okay, we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> but that's part of the fun too. Like I love, I, I like having them kind of know the basics of the song, but I love the part where we get in the room together and we just try things. All right, Yuri, try that weird Tom thing again. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's awesome. To, makes me feel alive. It makes me feel like, okay, the, when... When you play a song with a band and it clicks, there's just no better feeling, right? Like it's just absolutely. I mean, there are, there are yeah. a few, but yeah, the uh, some cool stuff here. The snare goes double time. Stereo guitars and bass are ripping here in this in this first half of this chorus. Uh, the tambourine is in here too, and it sounds like the lead vocals doubled here for sure in this chorus. Yeah, I honestly don't know. I probably doubled for sure. Um, okay, I definitely do double a lot of my my stuff, but. Not necessarily to make it sound doubled, just to make it sound nice and big, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
but that's all Ryan as far as that goes. Um, I told him, don't use auto-tune on me unless you absolutely have to. But in that case, I can just redo it. Yeah, I didn't really hear anything like that. And when I say double, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, this is an obvious double. It's It just gets bigger there. Yeah. And I can hear there's some stuff later on in the song. What's really cool, and we'll get into it in the bridge, is uh, you know, there's a double there, but there's also some like harmonies that are sticking in some spots. You know, it's, like a, it's in unison, but it kind of veers off a little bit. And I love that, I love that rubbing there. What I'm calling the post-chorus, Mike, is when you say, I'll stay up all night. Uh, those two times and the last time let's stay up all night the feel changes there on the back half a new little three note or guitar lick is panned far off to the right you can really hear the tambourine in this section and uh, right before the last line let's stay up all night I'm calling it the flock of seagulls delayed guitar part dun, 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 dun. yeah it's awesome stay up all night. let's stay up all night that's another little you know i've always said that 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 songs are made up of hooks however many hooks are in that song and uh this is only happens one other time in the song later but that little thing it is so cool how'd that come about thanks chris yeah i mean that came about from just jamming practicing you know going over the song trying things trying different things chris was messing around with some stuff when we hit on that we all looked we're like yeah that was cool keep doing that keep working on that and you know and it goes over through iterations i mean there's stuff that i'll hear on the demos that tom was doing that he didn't do on the record and i was like oh man we forgot about that but it's you know we did this other thing that took its place i'm like okay fine (laughs) all right we can't you can't do everything right you gotta be tasteful but some people just go for everything (laughs) it's the only time you hear that sound and it's very it's like Dancy, you'd hear it on a like I said, flock of seagulls, but you could hear it on a killer's record or Franz Ferdinand or something. It's like it just only happens ding, 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 that time right there uh, on what I'm calling the post chorus, and I absolutely love it. Damn, thank you, appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's very cool. One other thing we get here is the first true harmonies in the song on the holdouts on night that happen both time. The last line, let's stay up all night, that's just you. But uh, I, I love that there. Uh, is, is that Tom uh, singing backups with you? Yeah, Tom sings backups all over the record. Chris sings backups all over the record as well. And a lot of times they'll do the same part and just blend it. Sometimes it goes three part. There's a few times we do three parts, but uh, yeah. generally, you know, we could go more crazy with backup vocals, but we're really still, even though there's plenty of things on this record that maybe we wouldn't necessarily be able to do all together live, but for the most part, we can make this record sound like it sounds live. So again, we're kind of going with that idea. We, we still have like, you know, stereos and a third guitar and things like that. Sure. It sounds really well produced, but not overdone. You know, it sounds like, yeah, like you said, you, you could definitely pull it off. After uh, post-chorus one, we get a four-bar re-intro. It's half as long as the top of the song. And then we get into verse two. Where does your mind go when you hear? I don't know 10,000 times. From your backseat driving mine. And Mike, I'm gonna I'm gonna read these lyrics. Uh, the back half here, uh, Chris Fafalius did his best to translate, but we okay. have, we, we have a we have a question here on a lyric. But uh, where does your mind go when you hear "I don't know" ten thousand times from your backseat driving mind or drive in mind? Driving, you got it. Driving mind. Okay, cool. That, What's that's, happening there? That's a weird one. I got to admit yeah. that like, I, I, I'm almost surprised that no one said change that lyric, but I, I let it go because it's like no one else said anything. I was like, well, like ba- you're, you're a backseat driver. So be, yeah. you're a backseat driving mine. That's a cool lyric. To me, it was just straight up. Yeah, it, 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 meant, it made sense to me, but I'll explain it. Yeah, it's like, um, where does your mind go when you hear in your side of your mind, you're saying, I don't know. I don't know what to do. 10,000 times, right? But instead of you saying it, it's the person in the back of your mind that's always nagging. It's like the uh, sort of like the one that's like, you, yeah, you better do this right or this or that. You know, like, of course, we want people to have positive self talk, not negative self talk. So, so I was just kind of referring to maybe sometimes it's not, you know, my, my self talk isn't positive. It, it does get negative. And um, I was just using the backseat driver as a, 
as a metaphor. Yeah. Okay. Well, verse two is half the length of verse one, uh, pretty much the same instrumentation, but that uh, tom part from the back half of verse one is now here at the top of verse two because verse two is only half the length. So again, when it came time for verse two, was it just a gimme that that part was going to be there? Because it's awesome. I mean, it wasn't a gimme. I mean, some there's some songs where you completely change up the verses, you know, um, but it made sense to us. You know, um, my contribution was going to the top note on the bass, like the the octave. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I got fancy. You mentioned that, which again, when I got to verse two, I, I listened to it the first time I didn't notice, but when it was coming up the second time, I said, oh, Mike had to have gotten busier here on verse two. And you really didn't, except for that octave slide. There was still that restraint. You let the vocal breathe. Was there any talk of, I need to get fancier here on, on verse two, or it just came out how it came out? Honestly, like I think I added that high note just to make it a little fancier you know to, to do yeah. something different but there's a time and a place for me to get crazy on the bass and it's not this song it's like i'm setting yeah. the mood I'm, I'm putting this sort of bed down and i want i want people to lay down and relax <laughs> <laughs> perfect well I, I i love that tom part again i love uh that the second verse is only half the length because then the next part, the three-bar musical interlude, is now four bars and sets up the bridge instead of the chorus. You went an extra time here. That's awesome. I, I absolutely love that it does it. And at the last, on the fourth bar, Yuri gives this crazy drum fill that happens there. And it's one of those parts, Mike, that I, you could have just said to me right now, I didn't even realize it went an extra time because it goes by so so quick. But the very first time I heard this song, I heard the difference and I thought, wow, that's so cool. Honestly, I don't think we did it on purpose other than because it felt right. And that's mm -hmm. kind of how we do it. We try to do it anyway. Try to, You know, what's funny is sometimes it can feel right in the studio and then later on it doesn't feel right anymore and you want to change it. Yeah. Well, a lot of times in music, we'll do stuff in twos and fours. And when we do it in threes, it really adds a cool element. And it was a little jarring the first time I remember listening to this, that that musical interlude when it happened only three times. But then the chorus hit in my head. I, I, it, was, it was so quick to go to the chorus part, my, my mind, that I didn't really notice it until, you know, the second time when it came through four times, four bars on the, on the second musical interlude, which, uh, yeah, sometimes you just play it in the studio. You don't even realize you're doing it an extra time, but it just feels right to set up the next part. Yeah, that's it. Just working on that feeling. Do you feel that this bridge, okay, this bridge to me almost feels like the chorus a little bit in the structure, but it's not. All the way back to the other side of dark memories that have gone deep to hide and when the monsters come back to life, we'll drag them out into the light, out into the light. You know, you, you look at the, the back half, what I'm calling the post-chorus, you get the I'll stay up all nights. And on the back half of this bridge, you get out into the light, out into the light. So it's, you know, kind of the same amount of, of, of syllables that, that's happening. I'm going to read the lyrics here. All the way back to the other side of dark memories that have gone deep to hide. And when the monsters come back to life, we'll drag them out into the light, out into the light, out into the light. Uh, stereo guitars, bass, and drums uh, go double time on the snare, harking back to chorus one. So you're getting that double time on this bridge, which makes me, again, it kind of made me feel like we were in the chorus, but you don't get the chorus. We've only heard it uh, heard it happen one time here. Um, and at the back half, the out into the lights, a new octave guitar joins here that's panned off to the right. This part, I, I hear a lot of all descendants in, in this bridge too. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, this bridge for me is very much in line with the type of bridge that I write, you know, like kind of where it goes from the normal part of the song into this progression but yeah as far as like the actual like the sound of the drums and everything it is similar to 
kind of the way that chorus starts. Because when you look at bridges, Mike, they're, they're usually, not usually, but a lot of times they're this grand departure. You know, it's like total scenescape change. And here, I didn't get that. Matter of fact, the first time I listened to it, without looking at the lyrics, eyes closed, I'll always listen the first time, just like, like I'm hearing it for the first time in headphones. And it came along, I'm like, is this a chorus with different lyrics? That's what I initially thought. I'm like, no, the melody's different. This has to be a bridge. I've written plenty of bridges that sound exactly like a bridge, like you're saying, but like, I feel like now I'm like, okay, now I'm going to get fancy with my bridges and make them not sound like a bridge. So like, I've been basically writing another chorus for a bridge so that no matter what, people love that part. I probably couldn't have been so long-winded and said what you just exactly said. Is <laughs> like, you know what? I want to make this sound like, because yeah, it... Again, at the top, the drums go double time. I mentioned this a bit ago, Mike, that you're getting pretty much at least doubles with some harmonies here uh, on this bridge. And how how thought out was that? You're in the studio. Or do you just get up and, and try some harmonies in front of the mic? Or did you, did you kind of have it all panned out in your, in your head? You know, it depends on what, what we want happening during the, the song. So usually if it's a quiet part with backup vocals, it really has to be telling a story. But if it's a loud part, it's usually the priority is, okay, let's make this even louder. And so the story doesn't matter as much as let's put some harmonies on this thing. So I think with this stuff, I mean, I could go deep and say that we wanted backup vocals to show solidarity with the lead vocalist as he's singing these <laughs> lyrics. But, <laughs> but really, it's just to sound good. <laughs> okay. Well, no. And, and, and I, like, I like that. I have... I always feel like if I'm going to do a harmony part that it has to be a harmony the whole time. And that's just not true. Sometimes you can go unison and, and there's, there's magic there that happens. And uh, I, I have to sometimes remember that when, I, when I'm writing songs. Right out of this bridge, a single guitar from the top of the song comes in alone for two bars before chorus three, which is just the guitar and vocal. Vocal feels very personal here because it just is that uh, lone vocal in the guitar. And if I hurt you, know that I'll try to make it right I won't desert you, I'll stay up with you all night And if I hurt you, know that I'll try to make it right I won't desert you, I'll stay up with you all night And the guitar rings out on up And then there's another guitar chord that's hit on night And then the whole band's back in There's no pick slide, there's no, you know anything but the band just comes back in on the one with that double time snare beat same lyric uh, the vocal melody changes and the delivery gets super intense when you after you say i won't desert you i'll stay up with you all night you sound about as angry as mike from mxpx gets right there <laughs> it's really cool man i'll stay up with you all night still hurting you know and I'm, I'm just thinking obviously that nothing is easy and here I am I wanted everybody to like just kind of like amidst all of the chaos come down into this like very very simple quiet line you know which is just me being very raw and very open and honest and it's hard to be you know I'm grateful I've been I, I've been humbled by the experience you know I'm not always the best singer or the best songwriter or anything like that. But I get excited to be able to just do what I do, which is write songs, record those songs, put those songs out, tell people about those, so all of the above, right? Play the songs live and, and to realize that when I get reactions that are so positive, when I get people telling me their stories back, it comes down to this moment. I feel like this moment is when everybody really either loves the song or is like, eh, too emotional for me, you know, whatever it is. Maybe not ready for that yet, but there's still good left in the world. And, and this is the moment that I'm, I'm trying to let everybody know that. 
And you said something, you know, way earlier in the conversation, you mentioned that, you know, sometimes your lyrics are just literal and what you're feeling at that very time. And I found when I do that, that people, they, they react to it because we're way more alike as humans than we are different. I don't care what we see on TV, how we feel at certain times at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're way more the same. And I think when we write from that, uh, that point of view, it, it's, it's going to connect with people if it's coming from a genuine place. Absolutely. That's what we tried to do with the video, too, because it's telling not our story. It's telling the stories of these three three people, but groups of people even. And um, a lot of people see themselves in some little part of that, you know. And and that's just what we're trying to do is just connect connect those dots together and make people realize you're not as alone as you think you are. Right on. Well, the last two lines, we get the harmonies on night again, and then we get let's stay up all night. We get that delayed guitar that happens again right there. It only happens twice in the song. I absolutely love that. And then we get a four-bar outro. Uh, The first two are just kind of what we hear at the top, and on bars three and four, the band all slows down together and ends on a big A-sharp chord, and the song comes to an end. You're listening back to the whole record. Where where did this one, or where does it sit with you with the album? I know it's number six. You you talked about the sequence, but standalone as a song, is it is it one of your favorite tracks? I mean, it's definitely one of my favorite tracks. We've been playing this in practice the last couple couple months, and just it, it never gets old. I mean, it, awesome. It gets stuck in my head for sure, and and the fact that it hasn't gotten old. I'm sure it will get old. Maybe another year. We'll give it a year. <laughs> but but uh, I try not to, you know, over listen to the songs. But at the same time, I'm having to listen to it because I'm like editing things with it on it. I'm practicing the acoustic bits for the press and things like that. So you really gotta enjoy your song if you're gonna put that out as a single for your album because you're gonna hear it a lot, and that's gonna tell. If you're cringing sure. every time you hear the song, there's a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I wasn't so much getting at that. I was just, you know, it, it's so new to you too. Yeah. And and that's that's interesting going into this. You know, a lot of times on the show, as you know, I'll pick songs, you know, 15, 20 years old. But this is so new that, as you said, I can't get it out of my head. I've been humming it the past two days. So it's super catchy. And I'm, I'm really stoked for you guys. You know, something you haven't done is play that many shows. We talked about it recently. You haven't played too many or, uh, after, you know, since the pandemic's happened. Yep. So hopefully you guys can, can, can get back out there and uh, play some shows. Definitely. Def- I mean, that's the thing is when we were making this record, we knew I've been building this live room as well and doing a bunch of stuff here at the studio. I just knew if we start playing shows like like we do, I'm not going to get this done. So we we had to hold off on on doing our shows just to get what we're doing done. You know, like you were saying earlier, we're, we're very DIY. We're very hands-on with a lot of the things we do. So that's really, honestly, the reason why we haven't played as many shows. Now we're, we're out there, we're doing some festivals and that, and we are going to be playing a show together. I don't know if it's going to be announced by the time this is out. It might be about, I don't know, we'll see. But uh, I'm looking forward to that, so people, we can be cryptic. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I am absolutely looking forward to that show and honored that you you asked us uh, to, to be a part of it. It's going to be going to be a lot of fun, and you're still doing your podcast? People don't realize, it takes a lot of time to do a podcast, as you know. And you're a busy man. So how's that going? Oh, it's going good. Like that is, that's sort of my, uh, it's my passion project still. Like I've been doing it since 2013 and it's the Mike Herrera podcast. It comes out weekly and I talk to a lot of people, you know, you've, you guys have been on, you know, I'll be out there on tour. Yeah. All right. Who wants to do a podcast? Like (laughs) (laughs) it's fun, but you know, for one, I don't hate doing it. Like after all these years, I actually don't hate doing it. I kind of like it. It's fun. It, and for those certain days where you're just like, I don't feel like talking to people, anybody, even my best friend, I don't feel like talking. Sometimes you're forced to do that with the podcast. You've, you've, you've made schedule. Yeah. You know, you're forced to talk to me, Chris. I'm sorry for that. Commitment. But thank you. <laughs> it's a commitment. But uh, even, even after, you know, as soon as I'm done with that podcast, I'm glad that I did it and I feel completely different about my whole day. So I love the podcast. Awesome, man. And anything else you'd like to share with uh, those listening before we break? Um, Obviously, you know, we got the record coming out August 25th. Uh, Follow MXPX on your socials. We're going to be doing a lot more, um, a lot more surprises. We're going to be giving away stuff and doing things for free. And um, like I said, shows. 
if you know, I think that show's probably announced by now, but just in case it isn't, it will be soon. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. Well, hey, thanks thanks for your time, Mike. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it, man. Love you. Love you too. Hey, everybody. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Mike Carrera. Make sure you check out the new MXPX album, Find A Way Home. It comes out on August 25th, 2023. And don't go anywhere. We got lots more Chris to Makes a Podcast coming right up, including the band you might not know in the rap segment, right after a few words from our sponsors. Hey, everyone. This is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Chris to Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is email your best song via MP3 only and a short bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured artist is Payphones out of Richmond, Virginia, a band comprised of scene veterans hailing from up and down the East Coast including my old friend Tony Marston, whom I've known for years. Fans of Dillinger 4, Propagandi, and Verbal Assault, take notice. Here's a snippet of their song, The Truth. Chris and Chris. So Chris, you know what's interesting? Mike Herrera came on for the second time, but that was actually sort of the third time he was on Chris to Makes a Podcast. People might not know this, but we actually recorded an episode with Mike where we did something wrong. This was like in the very beginnings of us doing this podcast where we did something wrong with the sound and lost it. Do you remember that? Of course. And I was trying I, I was trying to think of what song I was gonna mention it to Mike and I space, but I, I can't remember what song we initially did. And I called him back and said, Mike, I somehow dropped the files and he made me feel so good. This is about three years ago when we first started this. He says, Chris, I've done that a bunch and you'll, you know, just don't do it again. And we both had a laugh and he came on and we talked about let's ride and now we're back with uh, Stay Up All Night and great track. Yeah, it is. Is there anything more exciting when you're in a band than releasing new music. It's the ultimate thrill for me. I've described it to my bandmates as like a natural high. When that new, you know, that new album is coming out. For Mike, it's in, you know, 10 or 11 days from when people are hearing this. I think it's the most exciting thing in the world. I love that you asked him what keeps him writing. You know, you guys, Less Than Jake, MXPX are both bands where you have legions of fans who love your back catalog. What keeps you writing? And I loved what he had to say about it. Yeah, I I, I wanted to ask him that because again, I, I feel like they're a band that's been around for, uh, you know, 30, 30 plus years and they could go out and play their old stuff all night long and the fans are going to go crazy. But, you know, what, what, what keeps you inspired? And I've always said that, that I feel like we're still a, a real band when we're creating. I never want to rest on my laurels. Yeah, man, you got to keep pushing forward and getting that natural high of a new album, the excitement that comes with a new album cycle and releasing new songs and seeing people's reactions to it. I don't know if everyone feels that way. For me, that's the most exciting thing about being in a band is that time when you're seeing people's reactions to your new song, your new song, your new album. And maybe sometimes you don't get that instantaneous love that people have all that attachment to of the old songs, but then you'll start to see it, man. It'll be like, oh, that album came out 10 years ago. Now you're seeing people being real into it because they have, you've brought it up so many times, all those 
memories and time to spend with the album. Yeah, and as the fans have gotten older, you know, our fans are about, you know, I always say five to ten years younger than me. You know, when I was when I don't know. Hello, Rockview is hitting. I was 24, 25. They were 14, 15, 16 years old and on up. And, you know, it takes people that are 10 years younger than you. It takes them some time to catch up with what you were going through lyrically when they weren't going through it. Now they're getting older and they're they're having loss and divorce and death and and thing, you know, life things happen. And now they can relate to those lyrics. Sure. Hey, Mike said something that I'm surprised I haven't heard anyone say on here because I really related to it because this is what I do a lot of times with songs. He says he starts with one lyric and just goes. And for me, I open up a Logic session and I've worked out, I've recorded some sort of demo. And sometimes if I don't have something worked out, I do that. I go with one lyric and I just go. Sometimes I don't even know where it's going to go. And sometimes that's a good thing. And sometimes it's a really bad thing. But I really related to that. Do you ever do that? Do you ever just have one lyric you start with and just go? Um, maybe I have. But for me, I'm like, what's this song about? You huh. know, it's like I, I usually I usually try to get a chorus. <laughs> then I can then I can write around that. So I was I was really surprised that he said that actually. But uh, everyone's different, and that's why every time we get a new guest on here, I'm just as fascinated as the last ones because we we, we all uh, we're all writing songs, but we all tick a little bit different. We all do it different, man. That's interesting. That I sometimes I mean, if it's something where I've had an idea already, but sometimes I'm. I have a cool musical idea and I lay it all down in logic and I do what Mike said, one lyric, one idea, and I just go. And I really relate to that. Uh, Mike also brought up when you play a song, maybe it's a song you've worked out on an acoustic or maybe like I'm saying, you've opened a logic session, you've built something and you play it with the band for the first time and it clicks Mm. and how great of a feeling that is. I've had that feeling with my band lately too, as we've been recording new songs. Some of these songs where it's one of us has brought it to the table and we haven't played it as a full band yet. We all like the song, but when you play it as a full band for the first time and it really feels like it clicks, that is a great feeling. Yeah, it's awesome. And, and sometimes it goes the other way. You have this great idea. And it just doesn't gel as a band. It just doesn't yeah. for whatever reason. And you you keep trying to shove that square peg into the round hole or whatever. And it just, it, it doesn't work. But when it does, man, that feeling, you just said it. It's it's like magic. You're like, we have something here. You, you just know if you've been in a band long enough, you know when you, when you stumble across something good. You know, and sometimes, Chris, the problem that I have is when I open up a session and I just go crazy with all the different sounds you can use. Oh, and I then know. I'll be like, this is a great song. And then trying to bring it to two guitars, a bass, drums, and vocals. <laughs> and sometimes it doesn't work if you're relying too heavily on some of like the orchestral sounds that you can that you can get in Logic or Pro Tools or whatever. Uh, so yeah, it can go both ways. And uh, one more thing that I thought Mike said that is really cool, and I think it's really the most magical thing about music, is he said that there are certain songs that make you realize you're not as alone as you think you are. I think that has always been, since I've been, you know, a kid in listening to music, those songs where it makes me feel like I'm not alone and feeling the way I am, those are the songs that I hold nearest and dearest to my heart, you know? Absolutely, that's the power of music. And I gotta tell you, I've been on the road a lot this summer, Chris. A lot of you listeners out there have come up to me, you shared your stories about loving the podcast. Thank you so much. A number of you have told me, well, this is crazy because we put so, so much effort into the main episode, but a lot of you say that you love the after party. And for those that don't know, the after party is our VIP program, our supporting cast. You can find it at ChrisDemakes.com. And uh, for the price of a cup of coffee, Chris, you could support the podcast you know and love. You get bonus episodes of The After Party each week or bi-weekly, depending uh, on how much you uh, you submit for donation. And we'd love to have you be part of it. Yeah, man. Hey, I came to see you guys play in both Cleveland and Pittsburgh. And I had people come up to me at both shows and talk to me about the podcast. That made me feel really good. If you're one of those people listening right now who came and talked to me, hey, thanks. That made my day. That really, <laughs> that really made my night. And as Chris said, 
ChrisDemakes.com is where you can sign up. If you want to support the podcast further and get a bonus episode every week, Chris, I really enjoyed this week's episode. You know, I'm a I'm a punk bassist. I love me some Mike Herrera. Absolutely. And please give me a follow on Instagram at less than Chris D. Give Chris a follow too at Chris yeah. Fafalius. And uh, I'm still doing those custom songs. If you like a custom song or jingle for you with that special someone. We got holidays coming up not too far in the distant oh, future, Chris. I can't even believe crazy. it again. I know. We're going to be hearing Christmas music at the mall pretty soon again. But uh, <laughs> hit me up if you'd like a song. ChrisDemakes at gmail.com for info. want to thank this week's guest, my old friend, Mike Herrera, for sitting with us. And we'll see you next week. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we celebrate and occasionally have a laugh about those bands and artists that had one song that most people remember. Although many musicians may reject the term One Hit Wonder, we beg to differ with their aversion to it because wouldn't we all love to have a beloved hit song? On One Hit Thunder, we're joined by interesting guests from the world of music and comedy to dive into one artist each week. Our back catalog runs deep with episodes about everyone from Wild Cherry to Snow to Tag Team to Harvey Danger, and a new episode comes out every Wednesday. Subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your podcasts and join in on the fun. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors comedians fighters musicians everything in between i'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it so if that sounds like something you're into go check out drinks with johnny streaming everywhere now the number you have reached is 100.7 wmms it wasn't just a radio station it was a lifestyle is, is a rock and roll city for sure yeah down the rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.